Hello, my name is Andrew Gamison, and it is my privilege to welcome you to this week's edition of the Speaking for Him podcast. Each and every Wednesday, I come to you with a dose of encouragement for this journey that we call the Christian life, because we know that it is not a sprint, it is a marathon, and we need each other. Well, today I'm returning to my viewings of The Chosen, and I will share with you a review of... The Chosen Season 3, Episode 7. And this episode is a very interesting one, and I'm excited to share with you the review of it and give you some thoughts and maybe encourage you to check it out. I really appreciate the fact that with The Chosen, I can encourage everyone to check it out because it is available free on The Chosen app. The episode name is Ears to Hear, and I think that there's a lot to unpack here. So let's get started, but let's begin with our quote of the day. Our quote of the day is actually from Simon Peter. It's kind of interesting that In the scriptures, Jesus renames Simon Peter, but in the chosen, most people refer to him as Simon. So I've kind of interchanged those names, but he's the one that gives the quote that I want to focus us on today. And he says this, silence between a husband and wife is poison. And I think as Simon is talking to Gaius about his own struggles, Gaius is a Gentile who was once Matthew's boss, and in a strange turn of events, he and Simon have begun bonding. But as he's talking to Gaius about some of his struggles, he is saying to him, if you do not tell your wife everything about what you're going through, it will be poison to your relationship. And I just thought that was a good reflection for everyone to realize that The key to relationships is honesty and being willing to talk about your struggles and your failures and being willing to be vulnerable with other people. And that's important in every relationship, but especially within the marriage relationship. So as we begin to talk about uh, this review, and I do have a clip to share with you a little bit later of the Gaius Peter conversation. But as we begin to unpack this review, one thing that I will say right off the top is this is one of the harder episodes to enjoy in my mind because it takes quite a while to get to the passages that were the biblical basis for it. There's a lot of plausible fiction in here. And as I have said, I am not opposed to that. I have used it myself. But when you make it the bulk of the episode, it can kind of be slightly problematic. So I would just say right off the offset that I understand why people may struggle to enjoy this episode as much as some of the others. But we start out with Zebedee teaching his young children, James and John, the festival of Purim, and then we fast forward to them as adults, and he's still sharing with them 
the festival of Purim, which is basically the story of how God delivered the Jewish people from the clutches of Haman who wanted to eradicate them from the earth. And he actually got permission from the king to do it, not telling him that it was because they were Jews that he wanted them to be eradicated. And then Queen Esther, who was a Jew, even though she hadn't told him she was a Jew, became the means by which her people were rescued. And so we see this celebration at the beginning of the episode. We see Philip and Andrew fighting uh, because of what happened at the Decapolis. They shared a message of hope, but it was also a divisive message uh, because Jesus was telling the parable of the banquet, which is actually one of the passages that this episode highlights, uh, which is in Luke fourteen twelve to 24. And he basically said in that parable that to go out into the highways and byways and compel everyone to come in, uh, regardless of whether they were a beggar or not, because the well-to-do people were not accepting of the message. Well, that rubbed people the wrong way because they thought that they were somehow deemed as less than. And it kind of shows the struggle that people have to understand the word of God and people still have that struggle today. A lot of times people will take the word of God out of context. We see a lot of TikTokers today getting on TikTok and going to whatever audience they have and interpreting the Bible through their own lens instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to show them how the Bible should be interpreted. Um, as my dad told me, and I've never forgotten, if the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. And I think one thing that we see in this episode is the struggle that people have in their relationships as they get closer to God. They realize the need to prioritize these relationships. They realize the need to apologize when they are wrong. And they realize that relationships indeed are a struggle. We see Thomas come back from going to see Rama's father about asking for her hand in marriage and he's discouraged because she didn't come back with him. Well, the reason she didn't come back with him is she's trying to get him to understand that Jesus is the Messiah and to commit to following him. And he hasn't given a final answer to Thomas about what uh, the answer is for them to get married. So he's discouraged about that. As I said, you see the disciples fighting about what happened in the Decapolis because they were told to deliver a message from Jesus, but they did not realize what type of opposition they would face. Um, you see Matthew and Mary having a couple really key conversations. Um, Matthew and Mary, through the narrative of this uh, show, Matthew and Mary Magdalene have really developed a closeness when... Uh, Mary Magdalene relapsed. Jesus sent Matthew and Peter to find Mary, and Matthew holds her when she vomits after uh, getting drunk. And so there's definitely a closeness there. And uh, Mary, as she was going through some things at the house that the women are staying at, which is Matthew's old house because he said he would never live there again uh, because it reminds him of his old life as a tax collector, 
when Mary's going through some boxes, she finds Matthew's old tassels, which were actually a gift from a shepherd who was there when Jesus was born and saw him as a baby. And he thought that the tassels themselves were significant. But Mary Magdalene points out to him that it was the old shepherd's faith that he wanted to pass on. And this shepherd shows an attitude of self-sacrifice when he chooses to take on the debt of his children to uh, make sure that they will not have debt because he's an old man, he's lived his life, and so we see how that sacrifice affected Matthew even before he had made a decision to follow Christ. Um, and Matthew initially is extremely upset with Mary for uh, messing with the tassels and then later comes back to apologize to her for having an angry outburst at her for that. And again, this is where you see the growth of people uh, throughout this episode. When Jesus affects you, uh, you will grow. You don't have a choice but to be changed by that experience. I have said many times that I think everyone who encounters Jesus will change. The question isn't, will you change? The question is, how will you change? Will you grow closer to God? Will you draw near to Jesus? Or will you pull away because you'll become even more bitter or angry at Jesus for what he may or may not have allowed in your life? And then, of course, Matthew comes back. He apologizes to her after getting away by himself, following the example of Jesus, who Matthew mentions spends a lot of alone time. And I think that's interesting because we do read in the scriptures how Jesus spent nights alone sometimes praying to his father and just recharging uh, because as a human he got tired um, and overwhelmed and he needed to recharge as do you and I. What a wonderful thing to realize that we have a great high priest who is familiar with our infirmities, and to just rejoice in that. It's an amazing thing that I don't think that we have enough respect for to really consider how the God of the universe decided to take on a human form and experience everything that humans do short of sin. The Bible says that he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin, and so he understands what it's like to live the human experience, to have the struggles. He understands what it's like to be hungry, to be thirsty. Remember, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And so it could have been very tempting for Jesus to turn those loaves into bread. You know, the devil was appealing to Jesus' hunger because it was a very real thing. His, his human hunger was very real. But Jesus fed him back the word of God and said, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we can definitely see as we read the story of Jesus how his humanity and his divinity intersected. Then we have the Jewish leaders uh, having a confrontation uh, with a Gentile and talking to him about how he should not defile uh, their tabernacle, their temple. 
And I just find it very interesting because they were all about not being defiled, but they didn't realize that their hearts were far from Jesus. As a matter of fact, in the scriptures, there was at least one time where he says, you profess to know me, but your hearts are far from me. And then we just see Peter continuing to struggle. Remember, at the end of the last episode, we ended with Eden and Peter crying in each other's arms because of the loss of their baby, because of the horrific reality that is miscarriage. And again, you can debate whether that should be added to a Jesus show, but I really think that part of the reason uh, that things like this are added is because Dallas Jenkins wants to remind us that Peter was just as human as you or I, and if these things happened to him, he would struggle. We know that he struggled. Uh, We know that as much as he wanted to be there for Jesus, he was very human, and at a later date, he is going to say to Jesus, I'm ready to die for you, only to turn around to deny him three times. And then Jesus will have to reassure him by saying to the women at the tomb, go and tell my disciples and Peter that I go before them into Galilee. And so then you see, uh, like I said, this story of the old shepherd who couldn't pay his taxes and and Matthew can't understand why it's so high, and then he realizes that he put all of his children's property in his own name, so he would be the one responsible for the taxes. And so that showed Matthew something of sacrifice. Um, And then we see Jesus and the disciples go to the Decapolis to complete the teaching there to kind of ease tensions, and the gentleman that asked them to come is upset because a little boy wants to see his father healed of deafness and be able to talk to him. And there's not really that much of an explanation for why his father is deaf, if it's been lifelong. It sounds like it has because it is implied that he hasn't spoken properly ever. Um, But they really didn't get into the backstory on that. But Jesus does heal him, and that is a scriptural reference from Mark seven thirty-one to 37. Um, and so that was a really good addition to this story. And I think it really showed that even though Jesus had big missions as far as teaching people things that were very important, and he wanted to speak to the group, and that's what... Uh, the person that had called them there wanted. He wanted Jesus to speak to the group and clarify things. When you really break it down, Jesus was all about the individual, and he never felt interrupted by an individual. He always prized individual relationships and made time for people. Remember, we have already seen the story of the woman with the issue of blood, and Jesus stopped and not only healed her, because of her faith, but also called her daughter and spent a few moments with her, showing her value. And to the outsider looking in, they would say, well, that was an interruption to the master's tasks. But it wasn't for Jesus. He knew that that woman would be there. He knew that she needed him. And he knew who touched him. 
when he asked the question. He just wanted to give her an opportunity to testify of his goodness. And so I think what you really see in this episode is a series of relational scenes where people are trying to grapple with the reality they once knew and the reality that they are beginning to understand. And I think you're really seeing this in the character of Gaius. And I don't know what's in the mind of Dallas as the creator or the other writers, but I'm beginning to think that Gaius might be the centurion who is at the cross of Jesus, who says, surely this man was the son of God, because he's beginning to feel guilt about things that he's never felt guilty about. He's beginning to wonder about this Jewish doctor, quote-unquote, Jesus, which is an interesting way to put it because he is mentioned in the scriptures as the great physician. So at this time, I'm going to play you a clip, which is the conversation between Peter and Gaius. And I think that there's some really important stuff within this conversation. So enjoy this, and I'll be back with some additional thoughts. Put your hood up. The next time you need to change the scenery, try a new food. Teach yourself discus throwing. Discus? Really? It seems like you might be the one who needs a distraction. Listen. I'm going out of my way to help you. Oh. I'm a fisherman. I can tell when a ship has run aground. How long has it been like this? I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. That boy. It's none of your business. Your wife asked if I was the Jewish doctor you told her about. What? You told her about Jesus? I mean, the, the boy's been sick for almost a month, and he's getting worse every day. None of your doctors can help? You saw the color of his skin. They think less of him because he's a servant. What? It's honorable you kept him on when his mother died. He's not just a servant. Yeah, your son said they were best friends. It's like, it's like having a brother. I understand. They are. Brothers. Does she know? Uh, we don't talk. We don't talk about it. Um, you know, for Roman men, it is a more common thing. It's common for lots of men. It's just it's more accepted in your culture. Yeah. Just spare me the sermon, okay? I'm not judging. I did not feel guilty about it at the time, but lately I do regret my actions. And now he's sick, and I uh, I can no longer pretend that he's not my son. And neither can she. Silence between a husband and wife, it's poison. The longer you don't say something, the worse it gets. Trust me. I do not. You trust me enough. Stick to your side of the street, Simon. Fine. 
Shalom, shalom, guys. Why do you say it twice? Well, once means peace. Twice means perfect peace. Complete wholeness. Well, that'll be the day. So there is the conversation between Gaius and Simon Peter. And the quote of the day came from that conversation where he said silence between husband and wife is poison. And he's encouraging Gaius to lay his cards on the table, as it were. And I like the way this conversation unfolds because you have Peter challenging Gaius to talk about what's really wrong. Gaius says it's none of your business, but he begins to open up to Peter and then Peter finds out that he's told his wife about Jesus. And then I really like the end of this conversation, uh, where he says to Gaius, Shalom, Shalom. And then Gaius asks him why he says Shalom twice. And he says, the first one means peace the second one means complete peace, total wholeness. And then Gaius says at the end of that clip, that'll be the day. And what an interesting foreshadowing that is. Because, of course, you and I know that the only way to complete peace is through the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. And so that is something that is amazing and important for us to contemplate as we live today because the same peace that Peter needed in the wake of his storms and the same peace that Gaius needed in the wake of his storms is the peace that you and I need as we go through this life. The final piece that I want to really spend some time on is when the disciples left for the Decapolis, Peter wasn't anywhere to be found. And Jesus asks John, to wait for Simon and then bring him to the Decapolis. And he said, I need Peter and I need you to be there for Peter. We're going to go on ahead. And John is initially very upset and says, why can't someone else do it? And one of the lessons that I was struck with when I saw that was that God's plan for us is often much different than ours much different than the plan that we think would be best. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They are above our ways. They are above our thoughts. And as Peter and John are making their way to the Decapolis, they are feuding, they are mad at each other, annoyed, and then uh, John criticizes Peter because He's like, you got what we all want. You have a wife. What would you have to complain about? And then Peter gets vulnerable with John, tells him about how Eden almost died and that she lost a baby that he didn't even know existed. And then they share an emotional moment where John is there to support Peter. And I thought it was very beautiful and touching because a lot of times when we don't know what to say, our tendency can be to ramble instead of just being uh, quiet and letting God use us to minister to the person in need. 
And so I thought that was a really good lesson tucked within this episode. And then the episode ends as Peter and John arrive at the Decapolis. So that is basically a summary of the episode as I understand it and as I viewed it. I will say that my ranking for this episode is 3.5. Now, I know that I've given higher rankings to chosen episodes, but the reason that I'm giving it as low of rating as I am is because there is a lot of material before you get to the biblical basis for this episode. And while I do think it follows along with plausible fiction, as I said, I believe that it makes it harder for people to get behind an episode like this. And so I give it a solid 3.5 stars. I still feel like there's a lot of good here. I like the way the chosen deals with relationships and God is really changing these people that he has chosen to have follow him. And it really shows that it's a process because Peter went from not wanting anything to do with God to wanting to follow God wholeheartedly and understanding who Jesus is, perhaps in some ways better than the other disciples. And now he's having a crisis of faith because he didn't get the answers that he wanted from God. And who among us has not been there? I think we've all experienced that a time or two, and we need to be aware of that and realize that God knows things that we don't know. He sees things that we don't see, and we can trust him even though it feels a lot of times like we can't. Well, that's about all the time I have for my episode today. I hope that you've enjoyed this look at The Chosen Season 3, Episode 7. We'll be back in the coming weeks with the season finale of Season 3, and then, of course, as season four unfolds, we will share that with you as well. I want to just say here that I continue to be very appreciative of the story that is being written and the characters that are being developed through this show. And I think that one of the things that's a plus is that you can really feel the emotions of the characters and think, well, what would it have been like for Peter and John to follow this rabbi for three years and to deal with their doubts and to keep on keeping on even in the face of doubt. And I really think um, it comes to a very exciting conclusion and I'm excited to share that with you in the coming weeks. But I hope that you, as I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, have found some encouragement in this. And if you have, I encourage you to share it with your family and friends. With that being said, I will simply say until next time, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, 
H-I-M. You can also interact with us at Facebook.com slash Speaking For Him and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 